Hello and welcome to the Inspiring Women Wales podcast brought to you by NatWest Cymru and the University of South Wales. I'm Gemma Casey, NatWest Cymru's Ecosystem Manager for Wales. More women than ever are starting new businesses, but women remain very underrepresented in the most productive, high-value sectors like IT and communications. And according to the Rose Review of Female Entrepreneurship, women are more likely than men to think they lack the skills and experience they need to start and scale a business. With this podcast, we're bringing you the stories of brilliant female founders of Welsh businesses. We aim to inspire you and give you the confidence to move forward with your business dreams. With me for this episode is Anna Burke, co-founder and managing director of Anglesey-based creative visual design agency, Animated Technologies. Hi, Anna. Hi, are you okay? I'm really well, thanks. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Anna, so tell me a little bit about Animated Technologies. What is it that you do? So we do um, a a number of things. Uh, Primarily, we create uh, VR, AR and sort of photorealistic animations for technical companies. I I sort of class ourselves as a, yeah, visual communicators. If there's anybody has a problem sort of communicating what they do, the, the, the technical aspects of it, then we can usually find a medium. That we that we do to help with that. That sounds really interesting. So, give me an example of some of the sectors that you work with and the uh, projects you might be involved with. There's a number of sectors, uh, quite quite a broad range. We sort of say like broadly sort of STEM based companies, but that could be uh, marine, it could be aerospace. Uh, we're working with um, some school boards at the moment, so there's public sector there as well. So we're sort of branching out as the services are, that we're doing are sort of um, expanding more. We're able to sort of expand our our, our industry base uh, as well. So what kind of work would you do for them? Let's take schools, for instance. How do you work with schools on VR and AR? What would a project look like in that space? Well, we're doing um, a pilot project at the moment for Gwyneth Council. Um, I sort of broadly talk about the project because uh, it, it, it's it's nearing its end soon. Um, so they have a um, language immersion program to try and get kids to learn Welsh in a in a sort of a ten week block, um, and they go into this into their centre, and then it's sort of quite an intensive course trying to get the kids to learn Welsh. Uh, but I think they found that the materials that they've they've been using the kids aren't sort of connecting with them anymore. Their PowerPoints, their their videos, they're not sort of engaging for kids. And kids can be, you know, they're playing so many sort of games now um, on Playstations and Xboxes and things like that. So uh, we've taken that content of this sort of village that the children learn from. You know, there's a supermarket in there and there's a fire station, there's a cinema, and they sort of learn different scenarios. And we've made it uh, in VR. We've made like a VR digital village. So the kids will enter the digital village and then they're just with their headsets and they can walk around. They can, uh, the pilot section of what we've done is concentrate on the supermarket. So the children can go into the supermarket. They can play a game. It's a little bit like supermarket sweep. So they sort of have to use the, you know, use the controllers and sort of, press on their shoulder and it brings out the the super the shopping list in welsh and then they have to 
go around all the aisles and try and find find the items. Um, and it allows as well, because it is in VR, you can get up to 30 different kids in the same space, in the same supermarket. Probably not in the game itself, because that would be absolute carnage. But there's like a separate element to, that you can, you know, you can go into the supermarket and you can converse with people that are in the digital village, but they don't necessarily need to be in the same room as you. So they could be, uh, it could be a teacher from, um, you know, Anglesey could be uh, in the same space as uh, children in in like the Gwynedd schools and uh, etc. All sort of, you know, role playing and and yeah, it's a really, really, really fun, fun project that we're working on. Gosh, it sounds like a whole other world, um, certainly to, to what I'm used to working in. That sounds really fascinating. Tell me a bit about your background. How did you get involved in this? Well, my background isn't in digital at all, actually. It's, it's in print, of all things, <laughs> wow. uh, uh, and graphic design. So I started out um, doing graphic design. I've always been very creative. Uh, and my husband, he's, uh, his background was in animation. Uh, and I think we found after the, after our first child and you think, oh, do I want to go back to I thought, I was on maternity leave? And I was like, oh, do I want to go back to work? And I was like, oh, I don't know. And we've always had, I think as we've got a bit older, we've always had a bit of an itch to try, you know, like starting a business for ourselves and being around boss. Um, and it sounds great to start with. <laughs> and then, so we did. We we started um, we started up our first company together called White Wabbit uh, that everybody remember because they couldn't pronounce it properly. So that's that's a, a positive in that case. Um, <laughs> but it was awful. It it, it wasn't awful. Uh, I'll take that back. It wasn't the best business going. And I think uh, we sort of addressed after a while, like we're we're good but we're working separately we're not working as a team and we're not working as a business so I think we sort of identified that and and sought help and sort of coach uh who um looked at everything that we did and sort of you know readdressed what the market was like um and that's when we got into animation and we sort of niched down into animation and I think I've got I've always had a, a big interest in technical things and engineering things you know my dad was a chief engineer so he's always talking to me about engines or something like that you know I, I pretend like I'm not listening but something must have stuck uh but yeah and uh, I think Tom's similar in that respect as well so we've always been quite sort of techie in that 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 side of things so I think it was just sort of natural to go into like the stem-based industries within animation because there's nothing worse than having somebody try and explain to you how and I know what it's like because my dad does it to me how uh you know how an engine capacitor works or something you're like look if I could see it I would get it I would understand it and I'm a visual person anyway um so we, that's how Animated Technologies uh, came about in 2017. That is a, a great story. There's a few things there I want to pick up on. Um, you mentioned there that um, you you started off your first design agency together uh, yeah. and that you, you were both really good at what, it, what you did 
but you felt that you perhaps weren't very good at doing the business um, and being in business together. Um, Mm. So I'm really interested in in exploring that a little bit, because one of the things that we notice when we work with with entrepreneurs is that very often they – there are two sides. They are working in the business and working on the business. Yeah. Um, so I guess from what you're saying there, you weren't that confident about doing um, everything that it takes to drive a business forward. How did you come to the realization that you needed support with that? And um, what kind of skills did you seek support with? I think we didn't have a clue about how to run a business at all we were two creatives that thought we knew what we were doing which is fair enough that's what you do when you start a business and you don't have any sort of formal training or anything um and I think it got to the point we both identified we sort of felt like we were both working as freelancers in the same room like I would have my projects that I would do Tom would have his projects that he would do um and we didn't really work together as a team it wasn't like right this is what the strategy is going to be this is what our budget's going to be this is where we're going to target this is our goal this is our you know sales strategy this is lead generation all of these aspects didn't have a clue about so it's been a massive sort of learning curve so we really sort of needed the basics we needed the basics on on target market we we did that age old thing and people would say to you, who, who, you know, if somebody wanted to buy your, your product, who would it be? And we'd be like, oh, anyone, any, if anybody wants it, anybody <laughs> yeah. can have it. Who, yeah. Who's your target market? Anyone, anybody wants it. Cause we didn't really have any confidence, I think, in or knowledge about who we were targeting and how important that is, but it's not just how important it is. It just how easier it makes your life when you're doing business because you're not you're not creating content for joe blogs you're not creating content for you know the other for all of the people you're just creating content for that one person it's like i think i don't know whether there's a statistics or something i've heard somebody say you might if there's a hundred people, there's 80 people that just aren't going to get on with you at all. But it's that 20 people that you're going to do business with anyway. And those are the 20 people that you want to do business because they want to do business back with you. Um, so yeah, we didn't have a clue about target market. So we had to sort of reinvent that and pretty much everything from fresh. It was like starting a whole new company, um, from fresh. Yeah. Yeah, that target market is uh, such a key piece, isn't it? That's something mm. that when we work with businesses on the NatWest Accelerator program, which you're part, you've been part of in the past, yeah, and yeah. we do a lot of work on helping people identify their target market. Because you're right, there is no one in the world that can market to everyone. Uh, everybody has got their niche and their target market. Mm. Uh, I'm interested to um, talk about mindset. So again, uh, the NatWest Accelerator program looks a lot at mindset of entrepreneurs and business people. Did you find that alongside learning the business skills, like developing your target market, like uh, learning to strategize and writing business plans, did you find that you needed to do quite a bit of work on your mindset and your approach to thinking about the business? Yeah, yeah. It's all a massive learning curve. And I think 
I think to be fair, it's something I'm still working on today. I've I've not got the best mindset sometimes. Sometimes I, you know, it takes it takes a lot for me to just get up and, and get going and trying to you know focus on what you're doing. Um, but the difference from so we'll be in November. It'll be our fifth year of animated technologies. Um, and the difference of what I was like at year, you know, dot to where I am now is huge. And I think it's it's resilience that it really builds in you having a business. And it's that, you know, it's that fear. It's, it's well, it's funny how your mindset really adjusts itself when you've got the fear of a mortgage payment to pay. And it's like, you come on, crack on, you've got to, you've got to get, you've got to get a wiggle on. Um so yeah, mindset is really, really important. But I think it's it's really important to drive the business, but it's also something that I've realized as well. It's really important for how you feel in yourself as well. Because you can you can get really stressed out. You can get really sort of tunnel vision like, oh my gosh, you know. And with COVID as well, and we've got young kids like many other sort of young, you know, businesses and, and and people in business. So so when you you heard about all these people, oh, I've had all this time off, you know, time time away from work, they've had to do it at the house, but we've still had to keep the business going and entertain two young lads. And there doesn't seem to be like there's any, you know, downtime. So it's really important to just kind of take a little step back sometimes as well and just kind of remember like why you're doing what you're doing and just sort of you know kind of take a chill pill sometimes as well because it can be like it can you know everything can sort of get on top of you Mm, and and we there's research that shows as well that covid has had a disproportionate effect on women in business uh, Mm. because women did step up and do most of the childcare, for instance during that time Uh, and there's research as well to show that women-led businesses slowed down more during COVID. Mm. Um, so clearly there's work for us all to do to, to to bring women back up to that level where they can be scaling their businesses. And on a related point, Anna, I'm really interested to explore with you. So you started, well, both businesses with your husband mm. and we've talked there about mindset. Yeah. Do you think that there is a particular challenge for women around mindset and starting a business? So we, we've we got research that shows that um, women tend to doubt that they've got enough skills, for instance, and they lack confidence with starting a business. Mm. Is that something you can relate to? Do you think it's something to do with our upbringing or society? Um, is there something that we need to do to shift women's mindset when they're thinking about uh, being successful in business, maybe being the breadwinner. Yeah, I think I think it's like it's imposter syndrome, isn't it? It's 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 thinking you can't do it, but you can actually do it. Because let's face it, you know, if you put your mind to something, you can get it done most of the time. Um, I've had imposter syndrome. I probably still have it now and again. Um, confidence is obviously a really big thing as well but what I didn't realize and somebody mentioned it to us the other day is that you you don't have to be confident all the time and I was like oh no you you don't that's a skill set in itself it's like right now I need to be confident let's switch it on and it's almost like if if I need to go into a room networking I can go in and I can 
go, right, okay, I need to be confident now. Right. And I can get going. Whether that is for, whether that's for just a women's thing, I don't know. I think we're probably more wired to be like that, the majority of women. Um, that's just my opinion. But can you overcome it? Of course you can overcome it. You can overcome anything, you know, if you put your mind to it. If, if you were stuck on a, you know, stuck on a, a desert island, you'd get through it. You'd get over, do you know what I mean? You get, you get over yourself. You just get, get to it. And I think with being a woman and, and a mother, you, you just got to, sometimes you just got to get on with it, but it can, yeah, it can be very, very, um, sort of debilitating sometimes with your mindset, but is there a way to improve it? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's probably just educating people on, on, on mindset and it's all right to feel rubbish sometimes. Um, everybody has a low day. I mean, you know, once every month, every woman has, has hormonal imbalances that really affect work and they affect my work as well. So I know when I, when I'm due on and I know exactly, oh, right. My mindset's gone a little bit wibbly. I know exactly. And then I have my period and then I'm, I know exactly afterwards. I'm going to be a lot better then. Let's, let's move this, let's move this meeting to after that time, just because I know I'm just going to be in a better frame of mind. If I need to prepare work, honestly, sometimes I can't concentrate on anything. Um, so yeah, I don't know what the, the right question is, but I guess it's just, um, talking about it. It's being open about it. It's just being realistic about it as well. Uh, and I think the more people see it, understand it, that's going to improve things going forward. I love that self-awareness that you've got there, Anna. And I think that um, certainly throughout my career, it's been a subject that's been really taboo. You know, you wouldn't mm. have been that open about about things maybe a few years ago um, in yeah. general in, in a workplace or business setting. I think I think we're seeing that shifting now, though, aren't we? And, and you're you're right. You're spot on. You know, I, I can completely relate to that, to energy levels being different at different times mm, of the month. Yeah. Why shouldn't we acknowledge it and work with it? Because the flip side of having a tough week is that the, that your energy levels then rise afterwards, isn't it? And we, we should maybe be a bit more in tune with that and, and work with it a bit more. We're mainly women in our office as well. It's like there's, there's three women in the office. Um, so, so we all sort of, we all have that are you all right today? It's like, yeah, I'm just having a bit of a slow day. It's like, we can all relate. We can all sympathize. Uh, so it's good. I think it's good for, for the office. And it's lovely that we feel able to be open about those things now mm. as well, I think. And that's a step forward in itself, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. You mentioned about networking, which I'm really keen to pick up on with you. Um, so starting and growing a business can be quite a lonely place, as you'll know. Um, and I'm interested to find out what you think is so important about networking and the power of having a community around you when you are scaling a business, uh, like the community that you get with NatWest Accelerator program or with the type of programs University of South Wales run developing entrepreneurial women and so on, so that you aren't starting and scaling that business in isolation, but you're surrounding yourself with your peers. Mm. 
what, in your experience, is the power of that? Has it made a big difference to your business in being part of those communities? I think networking has been really important. It's, it's, it is still something that I do cringe at sometimes because it's like, oh, if I don't know anybody in the room, if I know somebody in the room, then I feel, I'm, I'm almost like going to visit a friend and it, it's nice to just go and, and speak with them. How are you doing? How's life? You know, how's your family sort of thing? Um, but it can definitely be daunting as well. But for, for, for the business, it's, it's one of our most successful lead generation sort of avenues that we can do. So it's funny how when you are networking and you're listening to people, you're listening to what troubles they have in their business and what obstacles they've got. Um, and then you can just be that sort of impartial voice that says, yeah, we can, we can always help with that. If you want some help, then, you know, get in contact with us. But I always surprise myself when I'm like, oh, God, do I, do I want to do, do I want to go into that room full of people? I don't know. I don't know anybody. I'm, you know, have I got my, am I clicking in my confidence? It's daunting for anybody and everybody. But again, it's a skill like anything. You just got to learn. You've got to learn what to do to get you to get you comfortable, to get you chatting with people. And it's that first sort of approach, isn't it? That that is that is always really daunting. But again, it's like anything, you just you just gotta practice. Absolutely, yeah. And um I think that's so key what you said there about listening. I think the tendency can be to go into a networking opportunity with our uh, our, our pitch prepared and being word perfect about yeah. our own business. But if we aren't listening to the person we're talking to, we can easily miss out on those opportunities, can't we? Yeah, yeah. I think I've never I've never liked the word sales, and I still don't like the word sales. I mean, we need to. We, everybody needs to sell, don't they? We're in business, but I don't like it. I don't like the. Tr- you know, the tradition of it is like, yes, we do this and we do that. Uh, We're very much more, if you've got a problem, let's try and work out a solution to that problem. And if you've got a budget, then that's even better. Then that's, that's just realistic then. Um, So yeah, the, the traditional pitch is, I mean, everybody knows when, when somebody's speaking to you and they're not really, they don't really care. Do you know what I mean? It's like, do you want to, to know me? <laughs> but um, yeah, so yeah, it is, tr- it is tricky. It's definitely a skill. Mm, uh, I mean, the way you put it across there is is brilliant. You know, it is basically, if you're doing it well, it's a conversation. It's like any mm. social occasion really, isn't it? When you're going yeah. there to meet people and to connect with them and communicate with them. I think, you know, you say you don't like the word sales I sometimes feel a little uncomfortable about about the word pitch for the same reason because I think Mm. um people think of pitching as standing up and pitching for investment which of course it is and that is a brilliant example of where a pitch is invaluable but a good pitch can stand you in good stead in so many scenarios can't it you know if you've got a good pitch for your business you can dip it you can cherry pick from it and take bits from it and use it whether you're in the playground and somebody asks what you do or whether you are at a formal networking event and uh, to your point you know somebody says they've got a problem and you think oh you know we could help solve that um yeah. a, a good pitch is just being really 
clear and coherent about your business, I think. Do you agree? Yeah, it's a bit like an explainer video. Well, stay with me. <laughs> so you've got when we do our animations for our clients, we have to get so much information in a minute 30 and pitches. You're maybe like, you might get 30 seconds uh, to pitch. So making sure you're sort of dealing with the exact things that that person, that client will want uh, and addressing those things first to get them sort of engaged. And then you know you've got their attention then to sort of follow on the rest of rest of the conversation but yeah pitching is is a tricky one but yes so so important as well because it's funny how if you don't practice your pitch because I remember practicing my pitch in NatWest Accelerator but I know the business has changed since then and I haven't necessarily addressed the pitch that I'm doing and and I can see that I can see that in my own when I'm speaking to people and I'm thinking Oh, I've not explained it really well. Then I need to. I need to concentrate. I need to think about how I, how I frame the company so that they get it in the first sentence. So I'll give you some homework to go away and refresh your pitch. Then Anna, shall I? Do you know what? I've got a big pitch that I'm doing tomorrow. So, <laughs> so I'm just like, <laughs> oh uh, yeah, and I haven't <laughs> done one in a very long time. So it's going to be interesting. But it's and it's. It's another thing about having a business. It's like uh, and running a business. It's pushing, pushing your comfort levels. They say if you're not uncomfortable, then then you're too comfortable. You're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna progress. So an opportunity arose to to go for some investment uh, funding, an investment pitch. Uh, so yeah, I've got that tomorrow, which is very exciting. So I'll be practicing that all tonight. I think. <laughs> Oh, that's hugely exciting. Congratulations. Um, so how have you funded the business up until this point? It's been self-funded, uh, self-funded. And um, it, it's it's that same old thing. It, it's sort of, it's it's loans, it's credit cards, it's friends and family. Um, uh, but this year has definitely been our sort of biggest uh, growth year so far because we've introduced the, the VR and the AR services uh, into our portfolio which is very, very exciting. Uh, so considering this is our um, uh, first year, and I think I think everybody has become more digital as well after COVID to a degree, um, whereas maybe they weren't convinced by, uh, you know, animations or VR or AR. Uh, those are much more sort of to the forefront now. Mm, yeah, no, that's interesting. And um, we're, we're nearly out of time, but... That leads me really nicely to to my final question, which is, what is the ideal future for animated technologies? I mean, the, these technologies are moving so quickly, aren't they? The VR and the AR. Mm. Where do you think the business goes next? So with the, the VR, obviously, we are working on this uh, language learning tool with Welsh, uh, with school kids. We're hoping to look um, and develop a version for um, adults. To use as well, um, along with um, we would be quite uh, keen to look into the sort of the nuclear industry side of things as well with training with the VR that we do. Uh, so that's an at, uh, an avenue um, that we're going to be looking to go down. Well, that all sounds so exciting. Thank you so much, Anna, for joining me, and thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear further episodes of Inspiring Women Wales, then please subscribe. 
To find out more about this podcast and how USW Exchange can connect your organisation to the skills, expertise and facilities at the University of South Wales, visit southwales.ac.uk forward slash business. And for more on NatWest support for small businesses, search NatWest Business Services.